boom, here it is. The second part of Hashimoto's thyroiditis. I'm sure you're right. Kept everybody riveted last time. And on your seat and going, what's going on? And awesome. <laughs> so uh, I promise you I don't re-listen to these because I can't stand my own voice. But I want you to have the information because so many people come to our office with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And they're like, well, what are you supposed to do? Um, well, I made videos for that. And so they can watch some videos. But this is part of, this isn't the testing that goes into it. So uh, we do have videos in our office that you can go watch and go, this is really how to be tested and follow up. This is lifestyle modification and, and what you should do, such as, you know, the overall brief testing. But there's leaky gut testing and there's all the testing for if somebody had chemical sensitivities or oral intolerance or immune intolerance or cross-reactant foods or to gluten, cross-reactant autoimmune issues, those are all the things that we take a look at. But for dietary consideration, uh, we definitely want to avoid gluten. We definitely want to avoid um, dairy because it cross-reacts to gluten. Uh, we want to avoid iodine, and we want to act, avoid uh, what's called goitrogenic chemicals and medications that aren't foods. Um, and then if you have to go on a diet, the best one that's out there is autoimmune paleo. Whole30 is not bad, but you just have to be careful with making sure that you don't have lectins or nuts or dairy. Uh, that goes along with it, but this is probably the best one for you. Now, the most Hashimoto's patients understand have a diversity issue in their gut, and so they, they might be diagnosed with yeast or Lyme or um, parasites and, and whatnot, but the reality is they have microbiome diversity because their body can't digest. It would have killed those anyway, so that's where we need to start. Um, and then we have to be sure that they're not eating too many salty foods because that can be a trigger for that, and that their blood sugar is completely normal. And that's that. That's a misnomer. You know, you just ate some food. Your blood sugar goes up. Is that normal? No, but it should come down into its normal reactivity because excess sugar, whether it's high or lack of sugar because you don't eat because you don't want to, is hypoglycemic. So they just perpetuate autoimmune reactivity. So when people get older, understand that a lot of them have already autoimmune conditions because really if we run blood tests on everybody 75 percent of the united states is going to have an autoimmune entity uh, if not an autoimmune disease that's just the reality of where it is but it may not be affecting them because it's in stage one silent autoimmunity but they have it and so we have to get the blood sugar stabilized that's a uh, a priority because if it's too high it breaks down gut if it's too low it breaks down gut uh, if it's too low, and when you when your gut breaks down, your lung breaks down, when your lung breaks down, so the sinuses in the brain, and then all of a sudden, the things that you ate, because you had hypoglycemic, and then, ah, I gotta go eat something. What are the choices that you have when you have to have something very quick? Never good. And so what you do is you end up at a fast food restaurant, and then you eat whatever is in front of you, and then those all go to your blood-brain barrier, because now it's been hammered because your blood sugar was too low. So... We have to be aware of those things. And we have to be able to uh, deal with that. So keep in mind, we want you on an iodine-restricted diet. Uh, we want you to stay away from lectins. So last time I did not tell you about lectins. And lectins cross-react with your thyroid peroxidase antibody, and they can trigger an autoimmune response, even though you're not eating any gluten. So lectin foods are beans, chickpeas, lentils, peas, soybeans, almonds, and cashews. Yeah, that makes it a little tough now. And then there are other... Foods that are out there, they're called goitrogens, and they're substances that disrupt the ability for the thyroid to really, really be, I'm sorry, it triggers the pituitary release thyroid stimulant hormone, which then produces the release of thyroid tissue. So if you get too much of these uh, goitrogenic foods, you get what's usually called a goiter. 
so you have an enlarged thyroid tissue because there's so much TSH coming through there and starts to grow and grow and grow. Um, all right, so one of the things that we have to do when we have uh, goitrogenic issues or stress within the thyroid is that we, we put a cream on it that has what's called superoxide dismutase and glutathione, which goes in there and helps protect the thyroid against these oxidative stresses. So an oxidative stress is essentially a free radical. So anything that, um, let's say you're hanging out next to a microwave or Chernobyl or a toxin or you're breathing um, Roundup Ready or you're at a building of fire and you're standing next to everything that's burning or you, you're not metabolizing things right. These are all what's called free radicals and they oxidize. And oxidize is essentially, and the, the nicest way to put it is rust. When you have um, a metal outside and it's exposed to the weather, the rain goes on it and then sun goes on it and then the wind goes on it, it oxidizes and then you have a metal that turns color. So oxidation is not what you wanna do. You don't wanna rust. You want to uh, reduce. And so what helps reduce is antioxidants. And the biggest antioxidants out there is glutathione. We have that on our website. And we it, it, The reason that we use it is it's a million to one versus vitamin C, one to one, versus vitamin D, maybe two or three to one. I want a million to one. So we load up on the highest ox antioxidants that we possibly can, and that's the first one. Other forms of lectins um, that are in a lot of supplements, sunflower seeds, sesame seed, you can have wheat, rice, buckwheat, quinoa, quinoa, uh, quinoa millet, uh, kamut, Melons, tomatoes, potatoes, eggplants, and corn, all lectins. So that's why we tend to go with the autoimmune paleo uh, diet. And we want to make sure that you don't have uh, any of these symptoms. I want you to be able to wake up. I want you to be wake up ready to eat. I want you to be wake up going, I don't need to, I, you can have coffee, but I don't, I can't move without coffee. I got to have that sugary thing to get me going. That's um, some of the big deals that go out there. All right, so we want you to be able to, to not only get up in the morning, but after you eat meals, I don't want you to crash, especially 3 to 5 in the afternoon. And then you're like, oh, what do I got to get? I have to get sugar, salt, or fat. And if you ever drive by a Starbucks at that time in the afternoon, they have a pretty good thing going. Tells you the state of America. Or maybe you can't stay asleep at night. Those are all low blood sugar issues. If you have insulin resistance, you wake up not feeling rested or recovered. You wake up going, man, I have to have sugar. Um, and so you tend to eat high sugar carbohydrate foods and you have sugar cravings all day long and you get tired after you eat and you crash after lunch and then you got to have that stimulant. So both need stimulants. Um, and then you, you have difficulty falling asleep versus hypoglycemia is difficulty staying asleep. There's a little bit of a difference. So we want to get you to the point that you wake up and you feel energetic. You wake up and you want to eat. You are hungry between meals, but you don't like, I got to have sugar. Or I've got to have a stimulant. When you get to that point, that means your blood sugar is not right. And then there should be no change in your life function between meals and that you should have no fatigue or change in energy just because you ate. Big deals that are out there. So I have to bring up one trigger that just is a constant. We, we live right now, if you turn on any TV news network, they put you in a state of stress. But you could also have other things that are affecting your stress. So if you don't have sufficient sleep, it's stressful. If you don't have social support, it's stressful. If you don't regularly exercise or worse, you overtrain, it's stressful. So we want exercise to be challenging, but I don't want you to overtrain. And, and sometimes it's just squeezing your butt a couple times. Sometimes it's just going up and down the stairs very quickly. Sometimes it's just walking the dog at a quick, just so you're doing something as opposed to just sitting um, at home or in a cubicle or you don't do much. You have to have 
energy. You have to move to make energy. And we have to have energy to dampen inflammation. So it's a vital part of life. And so if you are not adapting to stress or you have a life issue that's going on, there are you know, family members, close friends that have passed away. There are stress. There is divorce. There is, you know, and, and, and I'm sure you've heard my story about uh, my life. And, well, my ex-wife is putting her hands on kids for a long time. And unless you put them into a bloody hope the our system really does fail children for that for that process so there there's a lot of stress that went on for me for years until we could get everybody into counseling and get that calmed down and regressed and and then in my case my stress was there was nothing i could do we couldn't do it legally and i i could do something but that would have ended me in jail so we don't want to go there but that's just the way sometimes things go and so making sure that you can calm down. So what do we have to do? What do I have to do? There's tapping exercises. There's breathing exercises. There's meditation. There's prayer. There's progressive relaxation. Um, there's guided imagery. That was probably the best thing for me is to see them happy, to see them growing, to see them not to have uh, an issue. And, and the same thing with me. When I when I have a patient that comes in, I we do guided imagery in me i don't tell them to do it unless i I need to get to a point that they're there i i see my patients getting better that might be a big difference between me and other doctors Uh, i don't really hear a lot of them talk about that but i i want them to get better there's two things for that they're happy and when they're happy typically they refer and i as there's something i tell my children and and they have it down pretty good uh when you are old and you will never get off this earth without dying. That's just that's the constant. We know it's going to happen. How many people say things to your children, and how many people show up to your funeral tells you the impact you had on Earth. And so, when I can help people get better, stay healthy, and impact their lives, I've done my part here, and that's what I what I was born to do. So uh, I knew within five days of starting my practice that this is what I needed to do, and so here we are. So I also want to remind you about the chemical triggers and that if you have a lot of fire retardants, if you work with pesticides and you have, well, it doesn't really matter, autoimmunity, but the, these are things that can really um, trigger and, and keep so many things going. Because when it comes to toxic issues or toxins, what toxic chemicals do, especially to the body, we just recently talked about glutathione, is they deplete glutathione. And so when you have a depletion of glutathione, we have a reduced, what's called regulation T-cell function. So we have T-cells, and T-cells can go in several ways. They have a T-cell that can be a killer cell. Let's go kill that. There's a virus in here. Let's do it. Yeah, cool. Or I have um, a T-cell that goes and makes helps um, stimulate and remember uh, what's going on because then you have these things called B-cells which makes antibodies. So I want something to be regulated between. I want to know when to kill and when to stop killing because I don't want to just kill everything in that cell. Because let's say a virus is attached to you, you and it, it will be in a cell. Your T-cell is going to kill that. Natural killer cell is going to kill that and the cell there. But when is it told to stop killing? Well, glutathione is a very good regulator for that. What glutathione also does is it helps keep the immune barriers in check. So your lung barrier, your intestinal barrier, your blood-brain barrier, it keeps them from getting more stuff inside. That means that they can work better. It also keeps your mitochondria from 
breaking down and what's called uncoupling and means you can make more energy. It also keeps oxidative stress free radicals at bay because it's a million to one free radical to oxidative stress. Um, free radicals to um, what's called reduction. That's a big deal. So when we are exposed to toxic chemicals, it starts to change all of these processes. Now, I can go on for about another hour on what chemicals affect you and all the different things you need to, to deal with. But do your best to stay away from, um, you know, excess chemicals um, or BPAs or if you're cooking in pans um, that have any coating on them or fire retardants in your house or in your, um, whether it's your couch or pesticides, you know, there, there's a good reason to wear a mask if you have to be around a pesticide. Um, so at least start there. All right. Next section here. So I want to get into, uh, we have a lot of patients with Hashimoto's that are also fighting other issues, whether it's Epstein-Barr, whether it's a bacterial infection, because it could be a sinus infection that goes there, whether it is a parasite. And while there are parasites to do that, I want to understand we don't treat them until it gets to be an issue because parasites are researched right now to be beneficial to autoimmune conditions. So we don't just want to get rid of everything. That's what we do white coat syndrome since the 1940s. Whereas in the rest of the world, let's say India, where almost everybody has a parasite, Hashimoto's is very hard to find. So keep that in mind. Uh, you could have mold that's as, as a continued trigger and what's called spirochetes. So there are words uh, or definitions that... Um, I'm going to give you, but you don't. there will be no quiz, I promise you. So there's what's called bystander activation, meaning that you have an immune system that's already attacking yourself, called thyroiditis, and then you get exposed to a virus or, let's say, Lyme or a bacteria, and all of a sudden it, it triggers and then you destroy more, more thyroid tissue. Or you could have a, a pathogen that actually goes into the thyroid. This is where cytomegalovirus or, or Epstein-Barr gets into, and then it screws up the thyroid. So you, the other tissues before, which is called bystander activation, they never got into the thyroid and broke anything down. Uh, they were just around by the cause of the inflammation, off you go. And then you have this thing called Helicobacter pylori, which can be transmitted in quite a few ways. It can be the um, from fecal oral. That means your, your food isn't clean. It can be from water. It can be kissing somebody that has H. pylori. It can be animal to human. So assuming that your dog or your cat has H. pylori, not that we go test them all, uh, it can be there. Now, uh, the testing for that is pretty non-invasive. It's literally a breath test. Sometimes we have to run a, a stool test. Uh, the antibody test does not indicate that you have an active infection or if it's, an, it's elevated. It just means you have antibodies to it. So there are other ways. And then if somebody ever had to do an upper GI and they actually did a, a biopsy, you can you can find it there. Um, so these are some of the infections that we, we see often, and then you can have what's called molecular mimicry, which means that the molecules themselves look like in the virus or bacteria, fungus, yeast, mold, or para parasites look like a TPO or look like an antibody. So it can, it, this is why we run blood tests. And if you're not having blood tests, and not, by the way, I'm not looking at TSH at this point. I'm looking at your CBC. I'm looking at your white blood cell count. Sometimes we have to break down your white blood cell count. It's what's called a, um, a leukocyte evaluation, which there are 19 different patterns of how the immune system deals with it and what pattern are you, and then what can we do? Is there something we need to kill? Is there something we need to support? Uh, is there something we need to supplement or lifestyle change? Or, hey, this particular virus 
bacteria, fungus use, or parasites is supported holistic or wholeheartedly. Like say a hundred of the hundred and one research papers say it's because it's heavy heavy metal toxicity. Okay, guess what we gotta do? We gotta go find the heavy metal toxicity and then deal with it and then come back and see did it affect the infection that you had and that infection then affect your autoimmunity. So this is where Hashimoto's gets a little bit difficult. So you can get into other things. You might have a kitty cat and it has Toxoplasma uh, gondii. And so, but this can also come from uh, eating raw or uncooked meat from pigs or lamb or wild game or eating or drinking food that has been contaminated with cat feces. Um, or yeah, what's called Yersinia intercalitica, which most of people, it's raw or undercooked pork, but they have diarrhea and abdominal pain, skin pain, or skin rashes, joint pain. And they have it for a while. Um and then there's always yeast. You can have it whether it's in the mouth, urethra, vaginal tract, uh, GI tract, systemic, or somebody who has hepatitis C. Uh, and and so there are there antibodies to to take for. But you tend to have more yeast because you're not breaking down your food. And of course Epstein Barr, which can just lead to fatigue, uh, fever, muscle issues. But understand 90% of the the population has antibodies to Epstein Barr. But the type of antibodies they have tell us where you're at. Are you in an acute phase, a chronic phase, or you're immune to it? But there's other things called cytomegalovirus. This is the major one for uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. There's Borrelia burgdorferi, which is Lyme disease. Um, Parvo, which you get a slap cheese. We see this more in kids or fifth disease that's out there. And what's called herpes virus 6, uh, which infects nearly 100% of the population. But it can contribute to the development of Hashimoto's. So lots of infections, lots of triggers, lots of opportunity to have something come about and why Hashimoto's not only is the most underdiagnosed, it's also the most mismanaged or uh, treated condition. It's, again, more than just taking a supplement, more than just taking um, a probiotic, or, and it's more than just, you know, I should do this or I should do that. So again, back to, we have three stages of, of autoimmune. You have antibodies but you really don't have any symptoms then you have antibodies and you start having some symptoms and your tsh uh isn't quite going and then stage three is when the tsh is elevated you have symptoms and we can go do an ultrasound there's something going on and i want you to remember that it can cross react not only with your brain it can cross react with your um nervous system so then it can look like something neurological it can cross-react with your intestines. So now you're going to a gastroenterologist all the time and nobody's checking your thyroid. Or it can cross-react to your joints and now you're going to an endocrinologist or a rheumatologist and they're going, okay, with this, or even an orthopedic person and it's Hashimoto's. Or it can interact with your pancreas and so now you're like, well, do I have diabetes? Yes, no. Um, and so there are foods that we like to run on our Hashimoto's patients because they react with T3 and T4. Or that they can react with what's called your TPO enzyme. All right, so let's talk about exercise. Um, you should be able to exercise as long as you don't, and I'm not, shouldn't exercise. You should be able to exercise as long as you don't go into fatigue. And if you wake up the next day and you're super tired or super sore and you can't do anything, you went too far. And, and let's say you just went up the stairs and you know that, okay, well, fundamentally we have to work on your energy. And so when you're dealing with an autoimmunity, especially um, Hashimoto's, understand that the, if, if the liver doesn't work, then the gallbladder probably doesn't work at all either. So it's very hard to digest fat-soluble vitamins. So vitamins A, D, and K are necessary to take a look at. So with these cases in autoimmune, we have to give a fairly significant amount of vitamin D, usually about 10,000 units a day and then up from there. And so there are options. And sometimes it has to be a liquid form. Sometimes it has to be a capsule form. And sometimes it has to be a combination of something else. Uh, there are other foods that help 
or I'm sorry, supplements or nutrients that help reduce thyroid inflammation, and that is selenium, uh, magnesium, uh, inositol, and glutathione. We already talked about glutathione, and they can come in two forms again. Uh, sometimes we have to give it a liquid form because people aren't able to digest and they can't swallow because they've gone so far along that their cerebellum is off and they, they've lost their ability um, to, to break down. But that's not our best option. Our best option is a form that goes and delivers right into the gut itself. Uh, and so that's the glutathione that we have uh, on our website. And then one of the things that supports the immune system and decreases inflammation and decreases the ability of the body to attack itself is what's called turmeric. And so we like to have sucumarins and we like to have a resveratrol. And so when we're talking about things that reduce um, inflammation within Hashimoto's, you can have coffee, dark coffee, uh, without all the other stuff in it. And we can have green tea extract, and that helps a little bit. Um, and then we can get into sucumin and resveratrol, and that helps quite a lot. And by the way, I'm giving you like the top end stuff, and but but the top one out there is glut, glutathione and vitamin D. Those are the top ones when we're talking about giving that as an option to help support um, Hashimoto's. But then we also want to make sure that the body can digest. Now, uh, you can have digestive enzyme. If you take the wrong one, it can actually start to digest you. So we don't want to do that. Um, but what's breaking down? Is it your stomach that doesn't break down? Then we have to use something that has what's called uh, betaine HCL in it. Uh, what if your gallbladder is breaking down? Then we have to do something like ox bile. Uh, what if your blood sugar isn't right, so the pancreas isn't there? So there's there's other parts to it. And what if the pancreas needs amylase lipase and, and, and other types of protease? Uh, and when do we give it? Depends on the type of leak you get. So we have... What if you have just everything you burns, and so you have to give what's called cipliorealm or aloe vera, or a disc, um, deglycerized or deglycerinated licorice or DGL. There are different times to use this. Now, for our website, we have every single one of these because somebody needs maybe needs all of them or somebody needs one of them, and what what part they are. In. So if you're looking at our digestive enzymes as a whole, there's one that that has all of it in there because somebody might just need that, and then there's a GB support that's for gallbladder. And then there's um, just uh, digest, which is for the pancreas that have pancreatin in it, and then all the lipase that goes along with it. And then sometimes you just have to break down not only the stomach, but then the gut is dealing with gluten. So you have um, digest and gluten support. And sometimes you need a couple of them. So that's really how we deal with it. And then GI Soothe is what your DGL is. And then when we get to the intestines, we like them to come together, which is to stop the gastrointestinal tract lining from pulling apart, hence the term leaky gut, and we have what's called uh, LG support, which is really for leaky gut. It's to help promote um, healthy cellular function with powerful antioxidant tissues uh, within the gastrointestinal lining so we can hopefully plug the holes. And so when we're plugging the holes, we can get the rest of the stuff to come in. And the reason that we use this is they have what's called a DPP-4 enzyme that helps break that down and keep that, or helps keep it together. And then one of the other things we, we, we talk about is short-chain fatty acids. So that's our um, GI immune. And then if you are sick, or you not sick, if you have things that don't need to be in there because there could be all these pathogens that go through there, then we use GI immune balance because I want to kill what doesn't need to be there and break it down. So there are quite a few products that we use in our Hashimoto's um I guess, work up in our office. And then sometimes we use what's called complete thyroid support because you, you need help there. So it's a little bit more complicated than just taking vitamin D or, hey, I'll just try to fix my leaky gut. But what you need to do in the in summary of this whole Hashimoto's things, we got to figure out what phase you're in. 
And then do you have any other things that are contributing? Do you have any, you know, when you first uh, start this, do you have anxiety, insomnia, irritability, shakiness? Uh, do you have depression, fatigue, constipation? Where are you at along this? Do you have joint pain? Do you have joint issues? Do you, now you have auto, rheumatoid arthritis that's gone along with it. Uh, and, and often you'll see Hashimoto's first and rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis second. Uh, is there any dizziness that's going on? Is it really clumsiness? Are you really having a tremor? Has it gone to your cerebellum? Has it gone to your brain? What is it about your, your weight loss and your skin um, and your muscle mass? Anything going on there? Is there any numbness that's going on? Um, do you have any issues that you can't digest B12 or folate? And then you have an intrinsic factor that's pernicious anemia. Or have you gotten to the point that it's become... And now you're into a type 1 diabetes... And then, you know, there are foods. We know that gluten is an issue. We know that dairy is an issue. We know that nightshade is an issue. We talked about lectins and cross-reactive foods. And then we have to diversify not to just eat one thing. Um, and so fibers and vegetables and fruits and short-chain fatty acids are, are very important. Uh, and then make sure that you're not eating super sugary foods or a whole bunch of caffeine and that you're eating daily we're not we're not getting into intermittent fasting yet we're just trying to get you to actually make energy before we get to these other strategies that go along with it and be careful with salt because so many Hashimoto's patients have a salt issue and an iodine issue so do your best to have a lifestyle routine what time do you wake up should be around the same what time to eat should be around the same what time you exercise should be around the same and then we want exercise for intensity and duration and we don't want to fatigue we don't want to have overtraining and then you have to have a way this is the most important part of this because all these other strategies are there. What happens when you have a flare-up? Because they're going to happen. Then do you cut down on your foods? Do you say, I'm just going to go to a, let's say, start on Friday, I'm going to do intermittent fasting this weekend. Do I take extra nutrition support? Yeah, we, we recommend that. Do you get extra sleep? We recommend that. If you have an opportunity to take off work, we recommend that to get out of the stress things. Um and then when you go out in public and you're having a social activity, you could, what foods, you don't want to take all your own foods, but can you get somewhere or can you eat before you go that you're you're limiting your, your exposure to other things? And then be cautious with iodine foods from your family and friends. Those things are there. And then in your home, have you taken a look at how much carpet you have? Uh, how many, how, do you have hardwood floors or, uh, you know, is there a whole bunch of fire retardant in the drapes? It can be there too versus uh, wood blinds. Completely different. And then have you been exposed to anything? Do you have Lyme or Epstein-Barr or um, Helicobacter pylori? And have you been tested for all those? Do you have any symptoms that go along for that? It hasn't been unwound. And then what nutrients should you take in? And are they being tested for nutrients? There's nutrient-based testing and there's blood tests that show that there are nutrients there. They're, they're, they, they go hand in hand. And are you, are you taking enough vitamin D? Are you taking enough glutathione or anti-inflammatories such as turmeric or resveratrol, uh, turmeric, yeah, and, or digestive enzymes in which form? So I just want to reiterate that Hashimoto's is a very complicated uh, condition. It is so much more than just taking a medication or supplement and then testing it once a year. It needs to be regulated. It has a lot of detail that goes to it, and that's why we spend so much time in our office educating, and it still may not be enough. So hence the point of the podcast. I know you have a lot of people you can listen to when you listen to a podcast. I appreciate you listening to ours. If you like it, please like it below uh, or come on and um, and take a look at it. If you'd like to learn more about our office, go to choosenewleaf.com. Uh, we do spend a lot of time dealing with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, that's not the only case we deal with, but understand that that is really the most underregulated and the biggest trigger to all these other things that come along, and then we unwind and go from there. Uh, I'm Dr. Alan Trites. 
Great health does not have to be a Mission Impossible.